This is Weon, and you're listening to Gravitas Podcast, making sense of the news. Let's now shift our focus to the G20, a forum of 20 leading economies. Earlier today, the grouping assembled in Indonesia to hold its 17th annual summit. The aim of the summit is to bridge the growing global divide, notwithstanding how deeply divided the body itself has become. And I don't say this without reason. This summit is taking place at a time when geopolitical rivalries have sharpened and multilateralism is gasping for breath. G20 is only dealing a few more blows to it. Have a look at how things are playing out. Russia is a leading member of this body, yet its president is not at the summit. Vladimir Putin, he is staying away this year for reasons that are best known to him. How then would any meaningful debate on the Ukraine conflict even take place? In fact, the host of this year's summit, the Indonesian president, Joko Widodo, had an interesting take on this scenario. Without mentioning Russia or Ukraine by name, he admonished the assembled leaders to be responsible and asked them to refrain from creating quote-unquote zero-sum situations. His message was simple. We cannot divide the world into two parts. We cannot let the world fall into another world war. Listen to this. Paradigm of collaboration is badly needed to save the world. We all have responsibility, not only for our people, but also for the people of the world. Being responsible here also means that we must end the war. If the war does not end, it will be difficult for the world to move forward. We should not divide the world into parts. We must not allow the world fall into another Cold War. Now, it's hard to not be cynical about Vidodo's remarks, given his own domestic track record. But what he said makes sense. This summit is one of the trickiest in recent history. It comes amid an ongoing war in Europe, a sharpening oil dispute between the US and Saudi Arabia, a sharpening north-south divide on business and trade, an ever-growing food and energy crisis globally, and a rising post-pandemic economic slump. These are all daunting challenges, and going by the G20's prevailing disunity, it's hard to tell if the summit will actually provide any solutions for any of these issues. Each country seems to have come with its own agenda. They don't seem to be in the mood to discuss the problems, but are instead trying to trumpet their own achievements. Look at the kind of remarks that they have been making. I'll start with Joe Biden. He chose to use the G20 platform to speak about the midterm elections back home. He made a rather self-sanctimonious statement on how the election results show the strength and resilience of the American democracy. You must watch this. Good evening, everyone. Uh, let me start with a few words about the recent elections held in the United States. What we saw was the strength and resilience of the American democracy, and we saw it in action. 
And the American people prove once again that democracy is who we are. And there was a strong rejection of election deniers at every level from those seeking to lead our states and those seeking to serve in Congress and also those seeking to oversee the elections. And uh, there was a strong rejection of political violence and voter intimidation. And there was an emphatic statement that in America, the will of the people prevails. You heard that. In America, the will of the people prevails. What about the world? This summit was supposed to be about global problems, not domestic achievements that don't seem like much, given how split the midterm mandate really is. But clearly, Joe Biden could not care less. And this seems to have become the norm of late. Every year when the summit takes place, leaders try to pander to their domestic audience and focus less on the global issues that need immediate solutions. Like building an inclusive global economy, ensuring equitable access to resources, fixing the crippling economic crisis. Yes, discussions are held on these issues, but they are discussions at best. Rarely does anything concrete come out of them. In fact, the sidelines make more news than the outcomes. What the leaders ate, where they stayed, where they went, who they met, who they saw, what they saw, how they reacted. More focus is paid to behind-the-scenes moments, to accidental encounters, to unwarranted gaffes, to embarrassing fails. Very little attention is given to the actual issues at hand. So what again is the issue at hand? Right now, there is none bigger than polarization. The G20 cannot even seem to agree on that. And case in point being the Russia-Ukraine war. The West, led by the United States of America, has repeatedly called for Russia's removal from G20. It has staged walkouts and called for the boycott of Russian presence. But not every G20 member agrees on this. Like China and Brazil. They continue to value Russia's importance at the platform. Even this year, they reportedly directed Indonesia to keep the Ukraine war off the summit's agenda. So the question is, how can a body that itself is so divided on an ongoing war do anything to possibly end it? That's the first fault line. The second one is the ongoing oil dispute, the deadlock between the US and OPEC plus, which is led by Saudi Arabia, another G20 member. Much to Russia's relief, it has refused Biden's request to ramp up the production of oil and ease the pressure on the skyrocketing oil prices. Riyadh has every right to do this. It cannot be forced to tow America's line. And by the looks of it, things may remain that way because last we checked, Biden had no plans to meet the Saudi crown prince at the summit. And we thought this summit was supposed to be about solving bilateral issues within the G20 member states. G20 has also failed to coordinate policies around the global health infrastructure, like ensuring equitable access to vaccines and pharmaceuticals. G20 leaders have promised to do this, but there is still a wide gap in terms of production and distribution of the vaccines and medicines in the low-income countries. And finally, G20 members have failed to break the deadlock on climate goals. There are some countries that 
were meant to cap the global temperature rise. There are some others who defend the use of fossil fuels. Even now, Russia's war has made Europe desperate for energy supplies. It is reopening old power stations and ditching its climate goals. How then will the G20 be able to deliver on its lofty climate change pledges? My point here is simple. The G20 had its origins at, as a rapid response crisis management group. Its aim was to offer instant solutions to the unique challenges that our planet faces. But looking at the scale of challenges today, it seems the G20 itself has become a mirror image of what our world looks like. Polarized and divided.